A very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. Let us go to Galway Greats. And today we have the wonderful Gary Hines, who sits opposite me today, co-founder indeed of the Druid Theatre Company, and she sits opposite me today. Gary, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining us. I'll bring you in a little bit there if you don't mind. Sure. Thanks for joining us uh, today on the uh, programme. Where did life start for you, can I ask you, Gary? I was born in Balladrine. I was born at home in Balladrine. Wow. I was uh, mum and dad's firstborn. And uh, Balladrine was my mother's home place. Wow. And uh, we lived there until I was six. And then Dad became uh, the CEO uh, in Monaghan. We moved to Monaghan. And then when I was 12, he became CEO in Galway. That was the old VEC, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was. You know, so your dad was heavily involved in education for. He, yeah, he was. A, he was a teacher, then headmaster in Balladrine, then CEO in Monaghan, and CEO in Galway, and that, that was County Galway. So, mm. uh, and it was one of the the VCs where all the work was done in Irish. Yes. Irish was the lingua franca of the of the job, if you like. And was Irish spoken at home then? Yeah, it was, and uh, it was particularly spoken at home. Um, when I was born, because uh, well, Dad was a passionate Gael Gore. He wasn't. He wasn't an native speaker, um, and um, he, they spoke a lot of Irish. But I kind of rebelled against it, which I, I'm very sorry now that I did. And so at this stage, I probably have the least Irish of anybody in my family. I suppose it was the time, and if you wanted to rebel, you you could yeah, well, you, could, you could do you could rebel. So yeah, was, you, well. Yeah. <laughs> so then you came to Galway and mum and dad then settled in Newcastle Bushy Park here. Uh, no, we lived first in, in Renmore for the first couple of years, very clearly, because uh, I I went to school in uh, Terrace Hill and uh, that was, I took the bus um, from Renmore Road and then back again. So, and then I think probably three or four years later, uh, I think the intention they had was always to build a house then that was built around when I was doing the intercert I think and we moved to Dangan So you, you lived there then but when did theatre I mean you went to college in that after mm. till, when, when did theatre come into your life or at what stage did it, was it at a young age did you look at theatre fondly? Well, well I think um, you know I mean I no nor had the family any background in theatre I think dad used to uh, do some kind of drama with uh, Mokra and, and things like that but it wasn't really you know anything that any other of my family were involved in um, I do remember seeing a play in uh Monaghan and I my memory is that it was many young men of 20 say goodbye um, so I would have been 9 or 10 I didn't do it in college because it really didn't the, there was nothing going on there so it was college where I really got involved It was then known as UCG Yes it was uh, A simple UCG, a much smaller UCG back then Yeah um, um, and again, a smaller gathering of people, and it was more, it was very intimate indeed at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, the, the new buildings had just opened, opened in the second year I was mm. in college. Oh, what did you study? I saw, <laughs> for my sins and, and, and sins of those teaching me, I studied um, English and uh, history. I got BA, eventually got scraped to be in English and history. 
So at what stage then, because Mick Lally and Marie Mullen, your co-founders of Truth, mm-hmm. would have been would have been in college at the same time, but at, at what stage did you start to collaborate? No, we weren't quite uh, at the same time. Mick was about six years older and mm-hmm. had left college. Uh, Mick was actually teaching out in the tech in Tune. And um, basically, Marie and I had been involved in, in, in Dramsock in UCG all through the four years that we both spent there. We wanted to continue to do it. We decided uh, we were going to do a play called The Play by the Western World and that we would do it if we could get Mick Lally, whom we knew from the drinking houses around. The drinking houses. Um, and we said if we could get Mick Lally, uh, we would do it. So we knew where. We went to Mick's drinking house, which was the cellar bar, as it was almost everybody's at that time, our students. And Mick said that he had been thinking of going to England uh, to work in the Midland sites that summer. But he changed his mind and he was part of the company. And that's where it all started? That's where it all started. Because Mick was from Tormacidi. He was, yeah. And, um, and obviously a native Irish speaker. native Irish speaker. When you were in Dramsock then, were you... On stage, or were you behind the stage? Always behind, off stage. Always? Always, yeah. I played a small part in Playboy in that first summer, just simply because the part was too small for anybody Mm. else to do. So, uh, but other than that... Behind uh, the scenes. Yeah. Behind the scenes. Absolutely. Um, life was different then. It was, it was a, a different kind of society. Um, so what happened after college then? You, you had come together as a grouping then, had you at that stage? Or? We came together as a grouping in, in, the, in June 75. June which 75. Was, yeah, the end of the college. And uh, we opened in the town hall, in the uh, jazz hall, I'm sorry. Town hall wasn't what it is now then. Uh, in uh, in July seventy five, and uh, in summer seventy five. Yeah, in summer seventy five. It was a brave move in, the, in summer. I suppose it wasn't as busy as summer though. Then. Well, everybody says it was a brave move, but I don't think it's brave when you do something like that when you're young and have more or less nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. As long as you can have a roof uh, over your head and and so on. But where did the Druid name then come in? When did that come in? That came out of the fact that we. Applied for a bank loan uh, and uh, of three hundred and fifty quid, as far as I remember, and uh, we had to put down the name of the organisation. So there was this big rush. So uh, the the cartoon, uh, the asterisk mm-hmm. cartoon, was in the Times, and uh, saw the name Druid there. I knew that Druids were the ancient kind of cultural class supposedly mm-hmm. of Ireland and we said we'd call it Druid for the moment and when we get a better name we'll, we'll change it and here we are today and here we are today yeah were they good fun days then were they footloose fancy free student days and out of student days ah they were yeah I mean um, foot, foot, footloose and fancy free wasn't quite we took ourselves very seriously let's mm-hmm. put it like that um, and particularly when having 
done those first summer of plays, we decided to continue and make, uh, decided he was going to uh, take a sabbatical from teaching. from teaching. And the person he had to go and ask permission for or inform or whatever was my father. <laughs> of course. The and, uh, see, yeah. So when he went to my father, he told him, and my father turned around and said, gee, Mick, do you know at all what you're doing? <laughs> Doesn't it just show how small the world was? Yeah. yeah. really was. And that was the beginning of Druid. And that was the beginning of Druid, yeah. So when you met your, your mom and dad next time around then and Mick had done that, was there, was there a, a discussion on it or was it let go? Oh, no, I think, I think always. Um, I think my parents were great in a way because uh, they always said, you know, you'll never make a living doing this. Uh, are you sure you want to do it? And, but my parents' position was, look, get your education, get your degree. And if you still, if you want to go ahead and do it, then do it. They let me off. Random. So, yeah, they were good. Is there is there a bit of music that would have been around that time that, that I could include in in, in this section of uh, God of Great Scary Hines? Is there... Is there a musician or a bit of music? Well, uh, like so many people, uh, Van Morrison was my favourite. And of course, the other thing that I associate uh, with early Druid, after we moved into uh, Chapel Lane, Druid Lane, uh, was the Dana. Um, they actually played live in a play we did in about nine. 1979, 80, uh, called Island Protected by Bridget Lass. And uh, both of those things I associate with, with those days. <laughs> Very good morning to you. Welcome into Galway Greats, and I'm sitting here with Gary Hines. Um, Gary, just before the break, we took a bit of music, indeed, uh, from Dudan in there. Uh, we were talking uh, about the Drew Theatre and how it came about, but the physical theatre itself. Then, um, when when did that come about? Uh, 1979. We uh, we had been performing uh, in 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 the uh, function room that was at the back of the uh, Coachman Hotel. And we did lunchtime there, and then we started doing full-length plays. It seated 42 people. When we did lunchtimes, we had to put up a table, a trestle table with the sandwiches on it, because you got a sandwich with your ticket. And the capacity went down to 36 at that point. Wow, that's it. Um, for the trestle table for the sandwiches. the trestle table. And yeah. we, uh, we gradually began to realise that, you know, um, if we wanted to establish a kind of identity and wanted to do more of what we were doing, we needed our own place yeah. rather than renting the jazz hall. We went to um, basically the manager of the coachman and said, would you be interested in 
renting it out to us on a yearly basis? He said, yes. We were there until 79. And then at the time, Galway was full of derelict buildings, Dorian buildings. And we saw through a kind of um, an opening in the door, we saw the space that is now uh, Druid. And we just thought it looked fabulous. And we went to the McDonough family again, asked could we rent it. And the person whom we talked to about that um, uh, was Dunno Dunno, God rest him. He said yes. And that's, that's, that's where it started. Seven, yeah, and it's the, sa- it's the same building since, which is great. It is. Uh, you put extra work into it. Yeah. We did, yeah. We, I mean, we, we, we had to build seats and seating mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing, but sure, fantastic for us. And and it really, it really, I you know, I'm not sure that if we hadn't got it, uh, I'm not sure Drood would be here today. Really, so the generosity of Dunno Dunno. Yeah, absolutely. And the McDonough family. And McDonough family. And uh, Dunno actually then became chairman of the board as we kind of matured and began to have proper governance. And uh, so it was it was a really important, a, a really important moment for yeah. Druid. Can I go back to the Coachman Hotel? Um, if I'm right from the top of my head, Josie Owens was the man that owned it at the time, the Owens family. Yes. Right. And at the same time, it was used by a lot of people for meetings. It was. The likes of Michael D. Higgins used to keep have his um, clinics in there. And uh, that's how we knew it was there, because um, there was a, a kind of a grouping called House, where people used to read poetry and, or sing songs or whatever. And when I was in school, when I was um, in Leaving Cert, I used to go to that. That's wow. how I knew about it. In the coachman? Yeah. And the irony of the situation is that the barmaid in the coachman happened, turned out to be Maureen Hughes, who went down to become one of the, exactly. the finest casting directors exactly. in the country. Exactly. So, because Maureen was great, you know, whenever we'd go looking for it or ask for something, she'd always be very helpful and, and so on. And uh, then eventually we got the idea, we met her and said, do you want to come and work for us? Yeah. And she said yes. Yeah. And she was with us for all those early years. Yeah, she and I started in radio together back in the 80s. There you back go. Back in the 80s. And she was a great broadcaster as well, so she was. Yeah, I'm sure she was. Come in then to um, where you, the, the fine building that you have. I mean, around that time, Key Street wasn't the Key Street that it is now. Yeah. That whole general area wasn't Flood Street. It was... Far from what it is today. Oh, very far from what it is today. The, the only, I say this, maybe I'm wrong, but I, my memory of it is the only people who went down Key Street were uh, customers going down to McDonald's for fish on Friday. For fish, yeah. And so really there was uh, um, Kenny's at the top of the street, yeah. McDonald's at the bottom of the street. And then so. you had Nocton's there, and you had the Nord of Crubin later years there. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and the, 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 was the, the Keys? Was the, uh, the, the Keys was the first pub to start about a year, I think, after we did. And uh, Sean McDonough then started. That's the right. Yeah, Keys and there. Alec Finn, and um, no, it was you know it was, it was a different great Galway. place to be. It was yeah. a different Galway. Yeah. yeah. 
But when you look at those simple days and how simple Galway was and you look at Galway today and you look at what you've achieved in life, I mean, you really have achieved an awful lot. Yeah, but um, there, there's been great people along the way and uh, and Galway has been great. We had, we had a great audience mm. um, and we still do. A loyal audience. A very loyal audience and, and um, you know, very generous to us and attending the plays and so on. So it, it, it was, um, you know, it, it was great. Uh, we didn't necessarily know that we'd still be doing plays in six months' time or a year's time or whatever, mm-hmm. certainly not in the early years. And then gradually in the early 80s, we began to professionalise, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, i.e. people got paid not much but a little and uh, gradually it it Was it that tight at the the, the beginning stages? It was I can remember in the that for that first summer uh, we all lived in uh, not we all however many of us six or seven of us lived in a house up in Renmore that was my parents house they let it out to us for the summer and as far as I remember what you got if when you worked there that summer was your bed and board so to speak and two pounds a week that was it that was it you wouldn't be going into too many watering holes for two pounds a week uh, oh we did <laughs> <laughs> I suppose oh we did I don't know how we did it but we did yeah I think a lot a lot of um, very good parents yeah very generous parents generous parents yeah, yeah. and then just from um, if we look from a, from a height that drew it at this stage, it's a very much a very strong brand for Ireland. Yeah. For Ireland, not just for Galway, no, yeah. but for Ireland. Yeah. Anywhere you go and you mention Druid, or if you mention Galway, they'll mention Druid. Anywhere in the world, you're. It's a it's a, such a well known brand. It is, and and it's great. We 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 really did want to. Uh, we kept wanting to find new audiences, and. Uh, when I was in UCG, we competed in some of the amateur drama festivals. So we knew there was audiences out there in places like Tubbercurry and so on. And we started touring. And then we also decided we, if it worked for Ireland, why not go somewhere else? So our first foreign trip was to the Edinburgh Festival mm-hmm. in about 1981 or 82. I can't remember the year. And so that sense of wanting to play to a broad reach of audiences was there in the company from the very beginning. And did you did you keep the the original ensemble fairly well together for as long as you could? Um, well, not really. Actually, is it? Mick actually moved to or moved back to Dublin and and uh, began working for RT acting yeah. and so on. Marie was there probably the first four or five years but you know there was people coming and going all the time mm. um, and when did you turn that corner that you could actually see the commercial sense in in expanding to where you are today um, well we wanted to see it uh, if you like as, as as soon as we could so becoming a professional theatre in the sense that the people got some basic working wage um, was in our heads from from the very beginning. Um, but obviously the crucial thing that happened was in 1976 we got our first grant from 
the Arts Council yeah. and continue to get an annual grant, which we had to apply for every year. Uh, and it's an onerous enough process, so it is to do it. But yes. It has to be done. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's and so that's, you know, that's what helped us develop. So if we take it then that, I mean, I, I saw you, uh, I saw that the company in New York many, many years ago. Yeah. The American market then, when when did you decide then to break into that American market? I mean, I don't think we decided to break into it, but I wonder what our first, I can't remember. I know we went to Australia. Uh, it's festivals, really. Mm. Um, uh, yes, I do know. The first time we went to America was a festival. I can't remember the name of it. It wasn't in New York. It was in uh, a place called Purchase, New York, where there's a university. And they ran a festival. And we um, we took uh, one-act plays and conversations on a homecoming, I believe. Mm. And we played, and that, that was our first time in America. And did that wow you at the time, or were you, were you, because I need, you are level-headed constantly. So, did that wow you, or did you just remain level-headed? I know it did wow us. I mean, in the sense, I had worked in New York all through college. I mean, all through summers of college, and I loved New York. And in some way, as much as the impetus for Druid was the west of Ireland, Galway, our lives then, the other thing that was influenced by was me seeing plays while I was in college in New York, seeing plays in small rooms, seeing plays which were being done by people who looked my, like me and were my age or our age yeah. at the time. So, you know, that that sort of helped us sort of think of ourselves as, as a full-time company and, and to, to continue to work at so, that. So was it at that stage you knew this was it for life? No, I never thought it was for life. I no. said, I still don't. <laughs> Maybe now it's... Um Time to take that second bit of music uh, from Van Morrison. If I suggested there'll be days like this, could that be an appropriate one? No, that would be great. All is working great. <laughs> Hey, very good morning to you. Welcome in to the programme on this uh, Monday morning. And we're looking at Galway Greats and I'm still in the wonderful company of Gary Hines. Gary, just your own life and um, highs for you. I mean, I could think of a lot of things, but getting the freedom of the city, the uh, Tony Award, all of that type of stuff, that's recognition of what you achieved and what you did for the city and the county. Yeah, it, it was, and it, it was brilliant, but mostly when I remember these things, I just remember the smart remarks people used to make, you know. I remember my mother saying, imagine you've got the freedom of the city and I still have to pay for parking. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it, but it was, it was, um, it was a real honour, you know, um, but very special. And obviously, uh, winning the Tony was, was fantastic, and the fact that, of the 
six nominations that we got. Uh, we we won all the Tonys we could. Marie yeah. got one, and um, Tom um, and Anna. So mm-hmm. you know, it it was it was a bit of a high for sure. You mentioned your mom there. I knew your dad from an educational point of view, but your mom was a great supporter of yours and was always there with you. Um, really nearly to the end, she was a great supporter of yours. She was a fantastic supporter. And she she actually um, did box office when we were in the jazz hall. And then as we started to pay, she always maintained, as we started to pay ourselves even a very little of £2 a week, we fired her. <laughs> like I still remember the red, the red cash box, yeah. and uh, but they they were great. I mean, I, I can remember very clearly um, when we opened Chapel uh, uh, Lane, whatever Druid Lane. Yeah, don't never know really what to call it. Um, I remember. Um, on that opening night, sitting with mum and dad in the back of a now empty theatre and thinking, I'll never forget this, and yeah. I haven't. Yeah. Very special. She was very proud of you, and she was very proud of, she was very proud of the whole lot of you, but she was, I, we sat with her many of the time indeed, either before or, ac- or after or during a, yeah. a production, um, but she was extremely proud, just very proud of what you all had achieved. Yeah, and the she loss was of Jerome, great. I know, affected her greatly. Your brother. Yes, it, it, it absolutely did. It was such a terrible, per- terrible thing. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, they did so much, really. You know, like the horse box we had was used for moving sets, and you know, they they were very um, they were very supportive, despite the fact that they would agree with people who said when are you going to go and get a real job yeah I think it was the um, I think it was the the generation of the time because to the day that my mum and dad died they asked me was I ever going to get a right job yeah yeah just it's I think because you weren't you weren't in the civil service or an electrician or a plumber or a teacher or a bank official yeah I went for the bank exam and I failed it thank god yeah but I mean, it was the the generation of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, obviously, there had been you know, there had been no professional theatre in Galway, no professional theatre outside Dublin, despite mm-hmm. the fact that there was a number of Galway people who had, you know, uh, excelled. Yeah, and had become professional mm-hmm. people in theatre, but only by going to Dublin and leaving Galway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we were you know, really absolutely committed to mm-hmm. Galway. There was never a question of leaving it. And if somebody even suggested, you'd sort of, you'd, you'd get angry and say, why would we leave Galway? Yeah. Is, isn't Galway the best place in the world? But Which, it, it, because of Druid and others and the Galway International Arts Festival and all the other festivals, yes. I mean, Galway has, the, the success of Galway is down to the Druids Gold International Arts Festival and all the yeah. other festivals. That's 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 the draw for gold. Um, yes, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, people like Porrick Brannock and and uh, Ollie, and it it just became such a um, such a centre of yeah. of for culture and for the arts, and obviously that is good for any town. It helped develop and and, and widen. Mm. Galway's, Galway was, I think, 
regard as a very good place to live and um, various people, factories and various things like that. So it it impacts the entire community mm. and uh, and I think Galway has always recognised that. Somebody said to me a few months ago indeed that the likes of Valley and Porrick and that they were, they were ahead of their time. I think they were of their time because what yeah. they did then you wouldn't do now because you couldn't do it now from a no. health and safety point of view. Yeah. Like Ali outside handing out uh, brochures. I mean, from under the litter act, you can't do that anymore. But they were of their time, but they created what we have now. Well, uh, absolutely. And of course, all of them at various times worked with Druid mm. or helped Druid or whatever. I do remember when we were building the theatre in Druid Lane, we put the lighting box on steel girders that went into the... Uh, went into the wall and in order to make sure that it would take the weight of the people in the lighting box, I remember he and everybody else had the great idea Porrick, get up on that and swing out of those girders and see would they take your weight. If they can take you, they can take the lighting box. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally true. So that was health and safety check. That was health and safety. (laughs) But they're the type of stories that I suppose we don't know, we haven't heard, so it's lovely to to hear them today as well. Are there other highs for you then in, in, in Druid or in life indeed that you, you look back on? And will you continue to work as hard as you're working right through? Well, um, I've been I've been very lucky to be able to do what I've done. I've been very lucky with my life um, that I can continue to do that. And it, it's not even so much of, of actually... Uh, directing plays or being in theatre but it's it's a conversation with an audience for a period of almost 50 years now mm. um, that's it's striking how how um, long we've been in existence and um, I've had a very very good time and as you go to sleep at night time would you ever say to yourself God how lucky I am oh God yes yeah, um, I do. And I think it even more now than I would have been conscious of then. Mm. To summarise your life, what's the last bit of music? We've done Van Morrison, we've done Dead Army. Well, Ricky Lee Jones's new album out, which I haven't heard, but I've heard it's great. So I'd love to hear a track of that. Barry Hines, you are a Galway great and long may you continue to be a great Galway person but thank you indeed for joining us on this Monday morning. Thank you. It's been great to be here and thank you Galway Bay FM for all the support over the years. You're more than welcome. You changed my Just absolutely gorgeous. And thanks to uh, Gary and uh, the team in Drew Galway indeed uh, for that. And we have more Galway Greats again next Monday morning if you stay tuned for that. Speaking of Galway Greats, by the way, Penny and Willie Cahill of Barnet come to Galway. They're celebrating their wedding anniversary today. And their congratulations to you both on a, on a very long and happy marriage. And uh, well done to you. And they're celebrating in style today. And we wish them the very, very best of luck all together. Uh, so if you see them out and about uh, today or they're 
um, walking the pram or going for a swim or otherwise you can wish them a very happy birthday. Now, there you go, you're not even a year married and here I am, people that are a long time married and... <laughs> <laughs> we're saying happy birthday, happy anniversary to them, to Penny and Willie Cahill. Listen, let's have a quick look at sport uh, today, if you don't mind. And uh, again, we're looking at uh, football, the National League, uh, Derry uh, versus uh, Galway. Disappointment for a defeat to Galway. Yeah, Keith, um, look, at the end of the day, Galway came into this game. Not many were giving them a chance, but after the victory against Tyrone, there was hope that at home, Galway could put one over. Mickey Hart's Derry, who have been the form team in the country so far, they're now four wins out of four, top of Division 1 of the National League, and almost certain to make the league final. We got off to a poor start, conceding one three early. The goal, I just thought we conceded a bit too softly, but we got ourselves back into the game. Keane Darcy with a great goal later on in the contest, and we're right back in it. People will talk about the black cards, especially Kieran Malloy's one there. I thought it was very, very harsh myself. Uh, the officials insinuating it was a trip. It didn't look like a trip to me, but free and fair enough. Terry had kicked the point beforehand. The advantage would have been given, but from that penalty, they got their second goal. They pulled away. Job done. Regarding for uh, Galway, you know, they're in three points now to play Monaghan next week. It's like a relegation battle in one way. Don't want to say that. Only a point behind second place, Kerry, so still very much in the mix. That's my opinion on the game, Keith, but Porrick Joyce was talking to our own Jonathan Higgins after the game. Let's get his assessment. I'm disappointed with the end result of it, obviously, but look, again, we were the masters of our own downfall there, <clears throat> to be quite honest. Um, we had a great goal chance, a great first half, actually, but you know, come back to them two points of the game, and when we, when we carried the ball or ran the ball directly at Derry, we, we caused them trouble, you know. Um, and then, obviously, the second half, we came out, and then we had a great goal chance straight away. It would have been great, would have put us a point up had we had to nick that. And then instead of that, we give the ball away and concede a penalty down the far side, and just six point swing in that game was, was huge. And then we got another black card after that black card, so we played, you know. 13 men there for 10 minutes was, and that's where the damage is done really Point choice there now Henry Shefton on the other side from a hurling National League point of view would be very happy with the outcome yeah, I just want to go back one thing there, Keith, as well. Just hard luck to the two Galway schools as well, Dunmore Community School uh, and St. Coons Castle Blakeney, losing all Ireland senior semi-finals this weekend. But as you said there, look, uh, on the flip side too, Galway were raging hot favourites going up to Corrigan Park in Belfast. They got the job done. Difficult place to go to, but Galway get off to a great start. Jason Flynn capitalising on a poor short puck out from Antrim to get the first goal. Galway were 116-17 to up at half time. Never a doubt about the result. Second goal for Jason Flynn in the second half. Evan Nile and getting 13 points in the mix at the end of the day everybody's talking about the Limerick game in round 5 that'll be in 3 weeks time we don't even though we've been getting results against Dublin a draw last year's championship is a Dublin game coming up in 2 weeks an important game to win too if we have any chance of making the league semi-final but at the end of the day Keith as you said there yourself Henry Shefton will be happy job done victory in Antrim yeah, we're looking at Camogie St. Rafael's Loch Ray, All-Ireland Senior B Champions. Well done. Yeah, absolutely fantastic news. And one of the sporting stories of the weekend for St. Rafael's, the first ever time to win the All-Ireland Senior B Camogie Championship, beating St. Mary's New Ross by 3-6 to 1-9. Two goals for Emily Lawless and one for Leah Behan. Uh, first title for the college since 1992, packed when they won eight All-Ireland Senior A titles in a row. Our own Amelda Hobbins was involved in five of them there too. And there was a great team there that laid the platform for the All-Ireland title that came up in 1996 and in Tara Healy one of many people Martina Harkin as well who put in great work with the school I spoke to John Mulligan on um, Sunday Sports Show yesterday, or Saturday Sports Show on Saturday 
Well, I suppose it's hard for us to say it's as big as the others. But, you know, some there's teams in the past that won, you know, eight in a row. Um, and the last one of those was 32 years ago. So I suppose it's big in the sense that, you know, there was a famine there um, for All-Ireland success. And um, I suppose we're delighted now that we could break that famine. And hopefully, you know, this is the start of maybe a few senior All-Irelands for St. Rayfields. And we certainly hope so as well. Well done to them. Of course, they do have an All-Ireland Junior B final next week as well. So maybe a double for St. Rayfields, we will see. Just a quick note there, the Galway Senior Camogie team beaten by Tipperary 3-10-1-13 in the second round of the National Camogie League. Disappointing performance for Galway, left a lot of scoring chances behind them, but they learn an awful lot out of that. Though one thing, I hope it comes up in social media somewhere if you were not at the game. Actually, the Camogie Association YouTube channel had live coverage of the match too, as well as us in Galway BFM. Siobhan Gardner, what a goal she scored in 62 minutes. It'll be one of the goals of the year, moving up the field, finishing off a five-player move. The Galway Under-16 Ladies Footballers, they were beaten by Mayo 5-12-2-7 in the Connacht Under-16 Ladies Football Championship, Keith. Now, um, Galway United got the first points of the season, indeed, for John Caulfield. Yeah, what a way to kick off the weekend. And Look, after the disappointment of losing their opening game to St. Patrick's, the Lely got through to an early goal. Galway United really turned it on. Ed McCarthy and A. Dervin with two first-half goals, giving them a victory up in Oriel Park in Dundalk. Look, it's a great confidence boost for them. Uh, Dundalk would have been favourites after drawing with Shamrock Rovers the previous week, but Galway United went up and got the three points up to fourth in the table. Congratulations to them and hopefully they can build next week. Galway League lost to Dublin and District Schoolboys League in the FAI Youths Under-18 Interleague Final. Hard luck to them, but while there was other matches going on in soccer the weekend, we won't get time to go through them now, Keith. I want to give a shout-out to Glenamaddy Community School. They have an All-Ireland Junior B Boys National Cup semi-final taking place this afternoon at one o'clock in Raymond Sherry Park in uh, Sligo. They're up against Pubbasquel Guidor and we'll be keeping up to date with that throughout the afternoon. And finally, rugby then? Yeah, we know the four semi-finalists for the Connacht Junior Rugby Cup. Connemara will host Castle Bar and Dunmore travel to Buccaneers. Victories for all four teams over the weekend. And well done, Tum Uttarard. They are the Connacht Women's League champions. They beat a University of Galway 65-0. And look, everybody knows what happened with the two Ireland teams at the weekend. And well done, Bundiaki, for his performance against Wales and the Six Nations. Some, some, some game. Absolutely. It really was. Listen, thank you, Dee, for joining us uh, today on the programme. And more sport every hour on the hour here with Darren right through until this evening. You're the man. I so do my best, man. I do my best. <laughs> You're the man. Darren Kelly joining us with Sports Now on tomorrow morning's programme. Uh, Vortex Sea to Sky fundraiser for Sarah Irvine. Uh, we'll be getting that uh, to uh, tomorrow morning, so we'll full details on it. And again, Galway Systems-Based Therapy hope to end a taboo of family and group therapy. The Irish Hospice Foundation have a brand new survey out, and we'll be looking at that extensively on tomorrow morning's programme. Uh, Galway Gardaí are seeking your assistance as well, and um, again, that... that incident in Nocticara and Miller's Lane and that whole area will be uh, covered by the Gardaí tomorrow. Uh, Bohemore Man does a Dublin Marathon fundraiser for Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. We have trending topics uh, tomorrow morning for you as well. We have a lovely, lovely piece coming the way as well about a cosy club. Uh, so if you want to join us on that. And also Music Mornings uh, tomorrow morning will be with Sabrina Fallon so we have that and loads more tomorrow. Don't forget, by the way, if you want to go back and listen to any of today's programme, you can do so. Go to galwaybfm.ie, quite simply galwaybfm.ie, go into Galway Talks, go into Listen Back, and then just pick the day and the time and the hour. So each hour goes up, so the nine o'clock hour went up, 
the 10 o'clock hour goes up separately and the 11 o'clock hour goes up separately. So if you want to listen back in the next 20 minutes uh, to Gary Hines today, which we're getting a massive reaction to, I have to say. She's very popular and very, very popular with people uh, across the city and the county. Uh, but you can just go to galwaybfm.ie, go to Galway Talks, go to Listen Back, and it's there. Just go to the 11 o'clock hour and listen back to us from there. That is it, though, for today. We're back with you live from Studio One tomorrow morning here on Galway BFM. <laughs> But if you want to be involved in the Renmore programme coming to you live from Flannery's this coming Friday morning, I'm looking forward to this. And in case we miss anybody, if you want to get involved, all you have to do quite simply is call John Morley here on 091 77077 and have a chat with them. You may be the key person that can give us a nugget that we didn't know. Stand by Ronan is next. Thank you to all involved in today's programme. Siobhan took your comments. Uh, John Morley produced from your studio, Keith Finnegan. Until we talk to you tomorrow morning, just after the 9 o'clock news, have a good and a safe and a very happy Monday. Talk to you then.